Lord Jesus, you spoke so much when on earth uh, about money because you knew our hearts. And as we consider money today, we pray that you would uh, reveal our own hearts back to us and give us cause to echo within our lives the lavishness of the love that you've poured out upon us. For we ask it in your own precious name. Amen. I don't uh, want to say, uh, as Adrian said earlier on, I'm afraid that money matters. I rejoice that money matters. Um, because, as you'll have picked up in our time together already this morning, Jesus and God throughout uh, his word speaks to us about the goodness of what he's made and therefore of what he looks for us to give back to him. I am, however, only sorry for those of you who are visitors and newcomers and uh, uh, will be wondering what on earth you've come to uh, if you're here this morning for the first time. But it's no bad thing to realize how a church trying to think through things biblically works out what we say to one another about giving. Of course, financial giving is only a tiny part of our common life together. There are all kinds of other givings that go on. But it is an expression of our common life. And as you've already heard from Adrian, what we do currently largely supports some big-ticket items. Our parish share, our staff, our buildings and our utilities... Over 80% of our expenditure is on those three things. And if we are resourcing that expenditure, then in effect what we are doing is giving to run the church. Why would we do that? Why would we give to the local church? And we suspect that for some of us that's a very real question. And we guess that because we've noticed this pattern of surprisingly low levels of giving. And I say that, uh, please remember, I'm talking about levels. I know none of the names. As Adrian said, there's about 170 units of those who give regularly through the bank or our envelope scheme. Uh, some of those are individuals, some are couples. Now, of those, of those 170, 108, that's pretty much two-thirds of us, give £20 a week or less. Now, I don't know about you, but £20 is not something I would cheerfully throw away each week. Uh, it's real money, 20 quid a week. But it is a tithe of what someone would earn, or what, it's, a, it's a gift, 10% tithe, of what someone on a minimum wage would be giving. If you, uh, you were on minimum wage and you earned... Uh, the amount that minimum wage would give you, and you tithed that, then £20 a week or less is what you'd be giving. And it's simply incredible to me that that is the profile of employment here at Holy Trinity. Yes, of course, we've got those on minimum wage, and more obviously, we've got pensioners and those on limited fixed incomes. But two-thirds of us who give regularly on that level? I think not. So we're left with two other conclusions. Either we are a phenomenally mean community which I absolutely know not to be the case at all, and the generosity of spirit that you see in the fair at the back tells us that. And I, I have all kinds of rumours come to me of the generosity that is known as money swills around our community. 
Or, and this is therefore the much more likely option, we're dividing our giving between the local church and the wider Christian world that looks for our support. And what I want to do this morning is very simple. I want to suggest that we can raise our total giving and within it that we will be enabled to give more to the local church. Of course you'd expect me to say that, I'm the minister. But why would anyone, apart from being the minister, ask for that? Well, because of the vision for God's mission through the local church. Buildings, staff salaries, it can look so year on year, so dull. But look at it like this. Passion for Life has depended on the enthusiasm of Richard Dannett and Mike Hume offering and Roger Hibbins and Fran Sumner organizing. And they don't cost us anything. Hallelujah. But it would not have come together without, and I say this for across the city, not just our own contribution, because I know how much of a role he's played. It would not have come together across the city without huge amounts of work uh, from this man sitting at the front, from Mark, whose salary comes back to us from the parish share. And we owe you a huge debt. Thank you. Through the Activitinis group, a number of families have found their way into the life of the church. It's run by Rosie Chapman, by Joe Courtier and Fiona Paynes. They cost us nothing, but they need to come into a building that is clean and warm. Perhaps you've got a child who's just been on the Pathfinder weekend. I can bear witness from last Sunday evening that Emma Kane and uh, Weber and Beth Griffiths came back exhausted after huge volunteer effort. Cost us nothing, but it couldn't have happened without the work that was put in by Alex Irving. Or perhaps you've got a daughter who's a member of the girls' Bible study meeting on church premises, a study initiated by Joe Edwards. I think of a complete outsider to our church who spoke to me about how much she, as an outsider, valued the work that Trinity had achieved with her mother through the not-so-young group. It takes massive amounts of volunteer time, that group. But it meets in our building and it's encouraged by a gentle nudge here and there from Elizabeth, our associate pastor. Or perhaps you're John Malcolm, taking a call last week from Kwesi Obeng, who, is, uh, who was here but is now an assistant youth pastor back in Accra in Ghana, where he comes from, giving thanks for all the teaching ministry he experienced here without which his work now would not be possible. These are all activities that are reaching out, growing us together, serving our community in ways that correspond precisely to the vision that you see when you walk in our building every Sunday morning and evening. It's not always new and shiny, but here, right here, from the base of this congregation, from you, the mission of Christ is going onwards, it's flowing into our worldwide networks and our local communities. And I'm aware more than ever now that I wear the hat of a rural dean, of those zones in Greater Norwich where new estates are being planted, Areas where the Church of England is already thinking, our current structures aren't coping. What can we do about these new big estates? And our vision as a local church encompasses the possibility of new congregations established or grafted from Holy Trinity. Will we be ready to say, here we are, send us, because if we can't, I don't think there's another Anglican church that can. And I'm guessing that were we as good at marketing as mission agencies are, and I've been in charge of one of those, so I know what it's like, we'd find no difficulty at all 
in seeing giving, giving to the Trinity mission increase by 50, 100,000. But we don't have a marketing department. We're like most local churches, we struggle even to manage coherent communications. And I'd love to have the superb communications that I know from some wealthier churches and some committed volunteer help to, to run our, our newsletter, 360. Would be a great start, maybe that's for you. It depended on lay assistant time last year. That's not available to us this year. But I don't want to be spending time persuading God's own people to part with money. I don't want a marketing department. I want to put our money into mission, not marketing. If I had another 50K, 50,000, what would I do? Probably nothing major to do with our buildings. I can think of a lot I'd do with them with a million, but let's just stick with 50,000 for a moment. I'd put it into people. I'd love to see us putting effort in the next year to finding and funding a full workable adult football team again. That may not sound much like mission, but the reality is we have a hole in our makeup right now. We don't have many younger guys in their 20s. And I think we could do better at reaching them with a more active sports ministry. We're good at kids, we're pretty good with seniors, but we're less good at groups we may have to reach off our base, those who are employed, those in their 20s. I'd love to see further resourcing for our creativity. We think most of, of music when we think of creativity, and rightly so, it's a major part. But I'm delighted to know that art, that art, art exhibition is coming. And there's some wider currents going on in the Christian world. I'd like to see us able to plant little seeds of creativity that would resource our musicians with a good flow of new music to complement the familiar kind. And it would resource our creative people, of whom we've got many, to write and shape and express slantwise a faith that does have to be expressed in words, but it can be evoked through all that God made us to be. And I'd love to see us giving away a lot more as a church and not as individuals. I'm sure this, I don't know if Dave Appleton's in today, but this will certainly take the smile off his face. Um, I, go have a look at this stuff after uh, the service, uh, during coffee and tea. I would love to see the giving that's going on from us as individuals in some way channeled more through the church so that we can look at that and not just say, it's what David Fairborn cares about as he's putting out his books now at the back, or, or Alan Strange cares about with the ICS uh, stuff there. But together, it's what we care about. And I'd love to see some of that giving channeled through the church, even if it's a fundamentally what we start with as individuals. Now, what has all that got to do with the Bible? And with our Bible reading today, very short too. What's that... Uh, key line, give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. It's a, it's a picture from the market. You didn't have a, um, a plastic bag. You didn't even have a recyclable hemp eco bag. You had your clothes, and you went to the market, and they poured the wheat or whatever grain you were buying into your clothes. But this is about, as Martin prayed, it's about God's lavishness. First it gets poured in, then it gets shaken down so that the level drops, and then it gets pressed down so that the level drops even more, and then more can get added. That's the key verse. And it would be easy to read that out of context. 
give generously to God, and you will get back more than you supposed from his hand. And even out of context, it's still pretty good. Someone this week who's been a missionary in pretty poor parts of the world said, there have been times when giving 10% has been a real struggle, but God has never let me down. And Natalie and I would say the same. But in context, the verse is much more about a quality of life in the church community. This is part of Luke's um, version of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus has been speaking about how the life of this new people, this renewed people, is to be different from those around. This was a culture very different from our own. You might perhaps have someone round to dinner, or you might, sorry, go to dinner at someone's, and then say, oh gosh, well, you know, three months ago we, we went there, we went to theirs, we, we better have them round at ours. But this is a whole culture based on the doing of favours. The rich and the, the, the socially superior do favours to those lower down, and they, in turn, pay back that favour because they accept and honour the obligations that are created. But Jesus is blowing that whole social structure apart. Don't expect to get anything back, he says. Precisely then, your reward is going to be great. You're not going to get it back from your neighbours or for those you've been to dinner with. The horizon of reward isn't abolished, but it moves to the reward that God will offer in due course. So, in verse 37, do open it, it is only short. Um, uh, where are we? Page 1034. 1034. So in verse 37, do not judge. It's not abolishing the law courts. It's not abolishing church discipline. But the context he's been talking about is lending. Don't rule out some people as judging them to be beyond the pale of your generosity. Don't condemn. Don't condemn those who may not seem at first glance to be worthy of your social effort. Don't look to find faults. Forgive and here, it may not be, it might maybe about sins, but the context makes it quite possible. It's about releasing people from debts who owe you money. And then, yes, we come on to the famous bit, give. And give in an open-handed way, trustfully, specifically trusting, not the recipient to do you any favors back, but God himself to more than repay in blessing. Jesus is wonderfully realistic about the ways in which those who follow him will be tempted to behave like the world around them. Don't, he says. That's how sinners behave. And he goes on to that famous bit in verse 41 about specks and beams. Check yourself before you criticize others. And let's be honest, the local church can be like that. We can give far away from ourselves to, a, to an agency that has glossy posters that does really great work. And they do. Go, look at them. But one of the great things about an agency is that we don't know the internal politics and problems that it faces. And having run one, trust me, they do. But the local church has got in it those people and those problems and those policies that we see are evidently less than perfect. And it can seem easier to trust the far off. 
Trust is at a premium these days, isn't it? I should think any of us in employment are dealing with mountains of legislation that have been brought into effect because we can no longer trust one another. You'll know the suspicion that's prevalent. Get it all nailed down, because if you don't, you will be taken for everything the others can get out of you. And this text here is absolutely about trust. Practice trust, because fundamentally you're trusting God. One of the members of our church council, or PCC, reported a very sad and untrusting comment about the life of our council and the ways in which we report decisions without all the details. Someone feeling kept in the dark. And I want to say absolutely right that they should be. I announced difficult staff news last week, news that's not going to be backed by arguments being rehearsed out here in open church about our staffing. Like Adrian earlier on, I hope and expect to see uh, our staffing back up to full levels before long. But when people we employ and love are being discussed, they have an absolute right that not everything appears here. The model of the Church of England is that you, not me because I don't have a vote, you elect a church council to learn all the details and then to decide. And it's precisely because you elect a body to do it that the details are available and not a matter of common gossip. So do please trust that that remarkable body of people are capable of taking into account all the sides of the issues. The truth is that every Christian society is imperfect, whether it's the local church or even tear fund. But the burden of everything Jesus has to say here is about a trustful attitude. It's not empty-headed So, of course, there needs to be consideration and discerning thought. But neither using that thoughtfulness as a way of saying, I know the local church has a speck in its eye, so I will keep it on short rations. Not empty-headed, but open-handed. So let me take you to uh, the material that awaits for you. It's divided uh, into two. If you are, in a formal sense, a member of Holy Trinity Church, if you have signed up, to our electoral role, then there are uh, those envelopes that Adrian referred to, uh, one for every single member of our role, laid out on the way to the hatch that's there for tea, in in trays by your name. If you are not in that formal sense a member of Holy Trinity, and at any given moment there's lots of people for whom that's true, uh, then there are a pile of the same uh, booklets and details on the uh, green table just before you leave the building. Now, they're different from one another in one respect. Those that are not uh, for the electoral roll members include at the back not only the coloured sheets that Adrian referred you to uh, concerning giving, but also an application to be on the electoral roll of the church. That makes you a full member of the church if you've been here, well, any time, and you're in our parish, or you've been here for more than six months and you live outside our parish, uh, whether student or not, you are very welcome uh, to uh, fill in one of those. And let me say for those who are students, 
in particular circumstances, you can be a member of a church back home and a church here. So those, if you're not a member of the electoral roll, are there uh, on the green table as you leave. We've put them uh, out for members who are on the roll, partly because we do want to ensure, with named copies, that everyone who is a member of our church knows our current situation so that we don't have people saying, oh, but we didn't know. You will know if you pick up the material that is there for you today. And I lay a challenge before you today, specifically those of you who may have started coming to church here in the last uh, months or even a couple of years, but you've missed one of these uh, Sundays. And you've not started giving regularly or in an organized way. Please do so. And don't take this stuff home so that it sits at ever lower levels of your in-tray as something that you must get around to. We've all done it, so let's not. If you have income regularly coming in, then please make sure income regularly goes out. Take out a standing order and an envelope scheme and the paperwork will guide you. But there's another challenge for those who do give regularly. Please love the whole church of God. Whether it's the church working away from home or the church that works on your own doorstep. This place, you, this community, are the engine room of a mighty, mighty ship. It's not that everyone will find the engine room the most exciting part, though some will. But please, let's not neglect the engine. Because without the engine of local churches like these, nothing else gets done. Can we pray together? Lord God, we thank you for calling us to serve alongside one another in this adventure of faith and hope and love. Give to us that deep faith in what you have done, that hope that looks to what you will do, and that love for one another along the way, not only those far off, but those next to whom we sit Sunday by Sunday, that together we may know ourselves, with all our faults, with all our imperfections, as those who are seeking to fulfill the mission you've given us to reach out, to grow together, and to serve our communities. Amen.